Welcome to the Revenue Builders Podcast, a weekly show featuring B2B sales leaders and executives. Hosted by five-time CRO John McMahon and force management co-founder John Kaplan, the show goes behind the scenes with the people who have been there, done that, and seen the results. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Builders is brought to you by Force Management. We help companies improve sales performance, executing the growth strategy at the point of sale. Find us at forcemanagement.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Revenue Builders podcast. I'm John Kaplan here with my co-host, John McMahon. Johnny, how are you? Cap, I'm doing fantastic today. Johnny, today we're bringing our listeners an incredible story of not only individual resilience, but family resilience. So in 2005, I'm sitting at my home office desk in Charlotte, and I'm flipping through a Sports Illustrated article, and and I come across this unbelievable story about a father and his child who are traveling the country with a goal of visiting every NFL stadium. The boy had cancer, and his father was determined to make memories outside of a hospital. And and the story just really moved me. You know, here's a little innocent 10-year-old little boy who out of the blue develops a, you know, a kidney problem, which required a transplant, and then he develops lymphoma. And so, you know, the situation was so dire that the boy, whose name is Tyler, you know, at one point was the only child in the U.S. who was on both dialysis and chemotherapy at the same time. So, so here they are traipsing all around the country with a dialysis equipment and cancer drugs, you know, making incredible memories. And, and I don't normally do this, but I, I wrote Steve Rushkin, who was a pretty famous Sports Illustrated um, uh, author back in the day. Um, you know, I wrote him a, a, a letter asking him to introduce me to the family and that that I would like to invite them to be, you know, our guest in Charlotte for a Panthers game. And to my surprise, you know, the family you know, was contacted. The visit was set up. The local Make-A-Wish, you know, team helped us set up just a great, great visit. And it's a, a great memory for me. But it it didn't stop there. So little did I know that over 15 years later, Bob Kessler, who's the father, Tyler Kessler, the son, and the entire Kessler family would become, you know, like our family here in Charlotte. So this family story is so steeped in adversity, resilience, and commitment. Not only was Tyler ill, but his younger brother, Cam, became ill and needed a kidney transplant with with no family history of kidney problems, which is just amazing. Um, Tyler's now on his third kidney. So, you know, since I've known them, there have been incredible medical challenges, but this is not this family story. It's not this family's identity. They are an ecosystem of resilience and gratitude. So today in this episode, we're going to be talking with Bob, who's the father, um, Bob Kessler. And, and, and I'm hoping that one day we can have the whole crew on because when we go out to dinner, it's like an all-out trash talk session from all sides. They're really just an awesome family. So we'll hear mostly about Tyler's story today and a little bit about Cam's. But, you know, you know, if I'm honest, you know, Kate, the daughter, is tougher and smarter than both those two birds, you know, Tyler and Cameron. And I can't wait till you hear this, Tyler and Cameron, because you know it's true. Um, and, and someday I'd love for all of our listeners to hear from Colleen Kessler, the mom who has persevered the journey, you know, and, and holds it all together for everyone. So it's really, really a cool story. And Johnny, you know, when we started this podcast, we knew we were going to talk to sales and C-suite leaders, but we also wanted to broaden the conversation, highlight stories of resilience and, and motivation. And I think we did that really, really well on this one. So I know you really enjoyed the conversation with Bob as well. Share some of your thoughts with our audience. Yeah, Cap, you know, too many people, I think, have a victim mentality. And Bob Kessler, his wife, Kate, and the Kessler family, they certainly don't know what that is. I was thinking back to when we just had Marcy Stout on, when we just had her recently on the podcast. She discussed playing above the line. 
And playing above the line means playing for your vision. So you live life as a victor instead of playing below the line where you have a victim mentality and become a victim of the many things that life throws us on a daily basis. And then I think about Bob Kessler, his wife, Kate, their two sons, Tyler and Cam, their daughter, Kate, they had a constant whirlwind of things thrown at them that they had to face every single day for decades, but that never stopped the Kesslers from finding a way to give their family hope and strength and finding a way to be a victor and not a victim. So Cap, I also go back to the Marcy Stout podcast because there's parallels here on what she discussed in the Kessler family. She also discussed how some people possess a limited mindset, limited versus having a mindset of abundance. And I think of how the Kesslers could have easily been drawn into a world of limitations, but their courage, their strength, their fortitude allowed them to fight through a gigantic set of limits placed on them and find a world that offered abundance and a set of memories that they'll share for a lifetime. So Cap, what an incredible family and what an incredible story for our listeners. Yeah, Johnny, I, I really love those connections that you made to Marcy's podcast. And I'm really with you on that feeling of abundance and feeling of above the line is I think what we heard constantly. So it's a story about parental commitment and dedication to the family. It's a story of hope. Uh, and it's a story about resilience, not just about an individual, uh, but a entire family's resilience. Please welcome our guest and my very, very good friend, Bob Kessler. Bob, how are you? Very good, John. Thank you very much for having me today. I'm really, really excited to have you. I'd like to introduce you to my uh, really good friend, John McMahon. Good afternoon, John. Hey, Bob, how are you? Fantastic story that our audience is going to hear today. So I'm pretty excited and it's great to meet you. Likewise. So, Bob, the story is of you and Tyler and Cam and the whole family. It's such an incredible story and one that can teach us so much about life lessons and perseverance and focusing on what matters most. And, you know, when thinking about how to prepare for this thing, it was such a difficult uh, thing to figure out how to get started. So I thought maybe what we would do um, is just kind of lead the audience in, you know, you're an executive with Staples and Barnes and Noble and um, and your son, Tyler, gets diagnosed with an extremely, extremely serious uh, diagnosis. Can can you talk a little bit about the um, the impetus for you to decide to go on this mission that you guys embarked on? And then we'll just dive into the mission and, and all sure. the fun around that. But can you kind of get us grounded on uh, the difficult stuff? Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I'll start with this. At four years old, Tyler was diagnosed with kidney failure, a complete surprise to us. No history of kidney failure in our family. Um, and uh, we worked hard through that. And I can remember the day that he had his uh, first kidney transplant. He has since had three. He's on his third. Uh, but uh, when the surgeon came in after the surgery and was telling us how great it went, and um, not to get too graphic, but he uh, specific, I remember this like it was yesterday. He said, I, I, as I connected the new kidney, uh, I had the, uh, the smell of urine, which is a very good thing when you're putting in a, a kidney transplant. OK. And I remember after meeting with that doctor, uh, uh, frankly, I became a little bit, um, I guess, very aware of now what the future holds for Ty, which is lifelong medicines and lifelong uh, concern from a medical point of view. At that point, we just, hey, let's get the transplant done. And now as I looked forward, uh, I, I remember thinking, you know, he's going to be, and they, they cautioned us, he's going to be in the hospital and he's going to be, you know, monthly checkups and lab work and blood work. Um, this is a lifelong situation. And my most immediate thought was, I do not, uh, and my wife and I, we do not want Tyler growing up, his childhood memories 
to be of doctors and hospitals and blood sticks. So at that point, we're like, okay, uh, our job is to, uh, it's like a checking account, right? And every time you went to the doctor or the hospital, that was a withdrawal from great childhood memories. Mm -hmm. And our job was to make as many deposits on great childhood memories. So when you ask about what was the impetus, it was that simple. I did, we did not want him growing up with childhood memories overwhelmed by hospitals and doctors and things like that. And as you can imagine, as a parent uh, with this diagnosis, you know, there's not a lot you can do. You can't treat him. I can't, uh, you know, make any diagnosis. I Not a lot. Of, so we focused on not what we can't do, but on what we can do. And that's where Ty, our family, has uh, always been incredible sports fans. Uh, from the Ty, uh, the day Ty was born, we were on ESPN and checking out everything. So uh, it was all about memories, John and John. It was all yeah. about uh, depositing great childhood memories. And we have, uh, well, we, we believe we have an incredible amount of great childhood memories that we've been able to deposit for Ty. Before we go into the memories <clears throat> that were created by the journey, and we'll get into that very specifically, I don't want to brush over the, the, this kid is a, um, I mean, he's a, he's a, so I'm so thankful he's a uh, vibrant young man now. And, um, but his story is really incredible. His own story of resilience. So he gets this uh, kidney replaced. And then four years later, um, he gets diagnosed with cancer. And um, I believe at one point in time, he is the only child in the United States that's on dialysis and chemotherapy. So without, you know, we don't want to blow Tyler's head up too much when he listens to this and, you know, but this kid is really a tough flipping kid. So can you go a little bit deeper in the saga of the continuing saga of what you guys were facing? Yeah. So, you know, re regrettably, you know, it's never as easy as just a kidney transplant. Not that that's easy by any stretch, but since age four, uh, to your point, four years later, uh, Tyler became sick. And the saga was uh, the doctors um, were very concerned about uh, if we treat the cancer aggressively, he will reject the kidney. So you're trying to balance out. And of course, we're very fortunate we had the greatest doctors, but that became a little bit of the, the saga of, okay, um, you know, how, how do we make these very difficult decisions? And fortunately, the doctors did a great job. Uh, but from, uh, from the uh, being diagnosed with um, lymphoma, uh, he, he did, he, he lost that first kidney, uh, which his grandmother had given him. Uh, and then um, maybe about three years after being diagnosed as cancer-free, uh, I was able to donate a kidney to him. And uh, that lasted for about eight years. And uh, because of uh, rejection, uh, he went to his third kidney. Hmm. Uh, and uh, he's currently on an unrelated uh, donor, uh, someone who passed and was able to give the gift of life. And uh, so far, so good. We're very, very fortunate. I will tell you that uh, along the way between uh, he had lymphoma, um, he had a number of bouts of uh, different infections and different situations uh, that were frankly way, way too much for any child to endure. Uh, there was a time he was in the hospital before having lymphoma uh, for about four months straight. And that was a very, very difficult time. Uh, and I think what we learned from that was, uh, to your point, he is one really, really tough cookie. It was at that point we were at the Duke Hospital, Duke Children's Hospital. Uh, and what Ty would tell you about that, that's why he's an incredible North Carolina fan. Nothing yeah. to do with Duke. All right. So, <laughs> but an incredible sports fan. And that's what um, he would tell you, whether it be, you know, NFL or college or baseball, basketball, he's an umpire in baseball, him and I umpire. Uh, so we all keep really busy in the sports world. Awesome. Bob, even when you gave your kidney to Ty, that was not an easy operation, easy either. You had some difficulties there also, right? 
Yeah, um, I don't know. For us, um, it doesn't seem like things ever go to the plan. Um, you know, they, they say that uh, the surgery is a little bit more difficult for the donor. Uh, and they had a difficult time getting the kidney out of me. Uh, fortunately, they were able to, to do that. It took maybe about eight hours. And uh, that was, you know, a long time under. And it was difficult for them to get me back out and kind of up and running, if you will. Now, that being said, mm. uh, Ty took my kidney and was out of the hospital bed in like 12 hours. Okay. Wow. And, you know, something we haven't touched upon, but uh, when my son, Cam, my youngest son, who is now uh, 23, um, when he was age four, he also was diagnosed with kidney failure. And fortunately, he was able to uh, receive a kidney from my wife. And the two of them walked out of the hospital in like three days, right? It is incredible what wow. they can do. And with Cam's situation, um, you know, he's had some side impacts, but nowhere near the kind of continued medical challenges that Ty has had from a very early age. But hey, we're very fortunate. You know, our family, uh, we have a daughter in the middle. She's extremely protective, but the two boys... We were able to donate. They both have very function, strong functioning kidneys. Um, you know, we're in a great place. So through all these situations, I believe even at one point, if I recall, um, the chemotherapy actually paralyzed Tyler for about four or five months. Um, how how does the family? How do you um, how do you remain positive and you know, with all the health challenges and the ups and downs, how do you, how do you all of a sudden get focused on, okay, we're going to go on this journey. Yeah. Like who does that? Like, how, how do you do that? Well, listen, I, I will tell you, my wife and I, we agreed at a very uh, early part of this journey that, um, you know, there, there's no bitching, there's no complaining, there's no asking why, because there's no answer there. All we know is what we can do. All right. And, you know, John, you mentioned about being positive. Um, you know, it, it does bring back memories. Uh, the day that Ty went through his first chemo drug um, was like on a Wednesday. And by Saturday, uh, he had woken up and was going to use the bathroom. And he was um, 10, 11 at the time. And we heard him fall down and we rushed out and He's laying on the bathroom floor and he looks at us in, in this big smile and says, hey, I think I'm drunk. My legs and arms don't work. Right. So we we had a laugh and that was like, oh, my God, we laughed with him because, you know, and he did not drink at that age. Okay, So we were wondering, where does this all come from? Um, and when we took him in, they, they the, the chemo drug, which do, did not work uh, as it relates to the cancer, uh, it had a very strong uh, effect, which, John, goes back to what you mentioned earlier. Ty was the first clinical study of a pediatric um, dialysis patient going through chemo. And their very strong concern was, how does the body remove the, the chemo drug, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and for you know people with working kidneys, that happens naturally. People who don't, now it's dialysis. And they were very unsure about that. And that drug stayed in his system too long. Um, but, you know, th that was that was during the summer and that was a very difficult time. But again, we went back to we can't prescribe meds. We can't do much from a medical point of view. But by golly, we are going to stay strong. We're going to stay positive. Uh, one of the quotes of our family is, uh, you know, do your job. And we always trained our kids um, you know, do your job during this medical journey was be a great patient, you know, do what they tell you to do, mm. take the meds, uh, rest and, and do all the things that you have to do to survive. Right. Uh, and by the way, when I had a medical stay in the hospital, don't think my two kids didn't come in and tell me this is about, you know, 10 years ago. And they looked at you do your job. You know, you do your very quick to <laughs> scold me and make sure I did what I was supposed to do to be a good patient. The other model that we like is, um, you know, what, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think our family right now is very blessed. We're very fortunate. And I think we're really strong for all that we've had to endure. And no doubt each of us as an individual, but also collectively as a group. Such an amazing, amazing family. I've so 
much enjoyed, you know, meeting all of you and spending time with you and watching these kids grow up and let's get into the fun stuff. So you make the, you make the decision. You don't want Tyler to have memories and you're building. Actually, I believe you told me one time, like John, if I'm going to go build memories, I, I want you yourself wanted memories of happier times. If God yeah. forbid, something didn't turn out favorably. And so you go on this journey and like, who came up with the idea to go visit stadiums? And so talk a little bit about that and let's dig into the fun stuff about all of it. Yeah. So I, I remember uh, Ty and I, uh, I had some work down in Florida and we went to a Dolphins game. This was probably about our fourth stadium, which happened kind of. And he's uh, about what now at this time, 11? Uh, no, he's actually a little bit younger. He was probably about eight or nine. Okay. So we started, uh, you know, about a year or two before he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, but it was like, okay, we'll, we'll get to him when we get to him. Right. And it was like maybe one a year that went to about 12 a year. Okay. Mm. And, um, so we were walking out of the Joe, Joe Roby stadium, uh, in Miami and Ty said, Wow, this is, this is really cool. I, I like. What do you think the best stadium is? Where Where's the best stadium to go to? And uh, we agreed. Well, we're, we're going to get to them all. We're going to check them out, and then we're going to come to an agreement. What What is the best stadium? So uh, we've been to all the stadiums. I, I think there's uh, exactly uh, two that we have not yet been to that are brand new. So we've been to every state new stadium since uh, Los Angeles. We got to get there. SoFi. And then also uh, the Raiders Stadium in Vegas. So we've got to get there yet. And Dallas, too. You were there, that new one that's about four or five years old now. Yeah, listen, we're very fortunate. Um, uh, our first uh, visit to a Cowboys game was the old stadium. And uh, I tell this story. Um, uh, Jerry Jones had read about Ty in Sports Illustrated. Mm. So he had called. I, I remember driving up the Pennsylvania Turnpike and you know, somebody calls me and says, uh, can you hold for Jerry Jones? I'm like, okay, who's doing this? Who, who's on the line, right? Right. right and Jerry right. Jones gets on the phone and says, hey, Mr. Kessler, read all about you. And long story short, we'd like you to visit Cowboy Stadium. And I, I said, well, listen, you know, we have uh, our grand finale coming up. We have our last stadium, which ironically would be Ty's 16th birthday. Uh, and uh, this was Under the Star. Uh, and Jerry Jones, uh, he took Ty like he was his long lost best buddy. Um, and Jerry Jones invited us down and he uh, took off his uh, Super Bowl ring and put it on Ty and Ty dipped down and uh, took Ty uh, pregame out to the uh, middle of the field and was talking about the players and who's the best player and who we should keep. And that night they played the Eagles. We're from Philadelphia, right? Right. Uh, and uh, Jerry Jones went far, far for us. And um, I, I think it was two nights later, uh, Jerry had contacted Mark Cuban and we went and we were um, a guest of Mark Cuban at the uh, uh, the Dallas Mavericks game, which was incredible memories as well. Um, but Ty stood on the uh, the Dallas Cowboys star with Jerry Jones and with the Super Bowl ring on his finger and uh, Jerry told us when we left that night, hey, uh, we're building a new stadium. Uh, I'd like you to come out and check out the new one. So we've been to the new stadium as well. Guest of Jerry Jones. How about that? Wow. That's an amazing experience. What about, I have to ask you about one other one. What about the new one in Las Vegas? We, we have not been there yet, but we have to get there. They're almost um, building them so that you have to <laughs> stay on this track. You're not kidding. Uh, we have to get to that one. Would love to get there. Uh, we did go see the Raiders uh, out in Oakland. And I will tell you, if you haven't been to an Oakland Raiders game, some of the scariest but friendliest <laughs> fans you'll ever see yes. with yeah. all the, the costume and the makeup. And we, uh, by the way, that was on the train going over to the stadium, right? Uh, in the stadium, it was fabulous. We saw the, uh, the Raiders and the Packers many, many, many years ago. And uh, I, I often tell people, like, name a stadium, and I say this very humbly, but name a stadium and something special, something unplanned, something memorable happened at that stadium. And that's the way our journey went. And I really believe uh, God was watching us and, and God was taking care of us. And uh, maybe the best example of that is uh, when we went to a uh, Panthers game. John, I don't know if you remember this. 
when they played uh, the St. Louis Rams in a playoff game, longest NFL playoff game. Yes. Uh, we were there. And, um, you know, this is a playoff game, so tickets are expensive. We scalp our tickets. You know, that's kind of the way this works. And we we met a scalper on the street two hours before the game. And I'm telling you for sure, uh, the scalper looked at me and my son, uh, and he gave us an incredible deal, like $50 per ticket on the 40-yard line. And he just knew. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, people just knew. And how how fortunate were we? Um, the other part of that story is, uh, you know, every NFL stadium we went to, uh, our tradition was we went to the best steakhouse in town. So we were at a great steakhouse in St. Louis. Uh, we actually met Peyton Manning in uh, St. Elmo's, the best steakhouse in Indianapolis. That's a great story. But uh, name a stadium. We have something unplanned, something incredible that happened for us. So, Johnny, I can't believe you're not asking him about the about the Patriots visit. <laughs> Johnny's <laughs> a huge, a huge Patriots fan. Not yet. Not yet. What I, I did, Bob, was I, that you and Ty many times would just make your way over to the player's bus. No one would, for some reason, no one ever really seemed to stop you. And that's how you and Ty got to meet so many of the players. I have to be careful because I don't want okay. to go with it. But I remember uh, one time in Atlanta, we watched the Rams play the Falcons in a, a playoff game. This was the older uh, Falcons uh, stadium. What a great story. Uh, after the game, Ty was a big Rams fan at that time. And, um, you know, we walked down towards the buses and there was a security guard in a yellow jacket. And uh, we walked up and um, I think I said something like, hey, we're from Sports Illustrated. He's my assistant. We're writing a story on the uh, on the buses that teams something. Could. And the woman looked at me and she looked at Ty and. Can I get a hug from him? I said, sure. So Ty and she said, go ahead. You, you never saw me or something like that. So we go in and we're, we're just mingling with the Rams uh, and uh, Tory Holt, uh, a great wide receiver with the Rams from years ago. Uh, Ty went up to him and was talking to Tory Holt. And here's Tory Holt having a conversation with, a, I don't know, a 10, 11 year old. And Ty said, yeah, hey, what's your favorite stadium? I'm going, me and my dad are going to the mall. And <laughs> I said, really? And, we said, and, and, you know, I said, yeah, Ty's going through some tough times with chemo and uh, you know, I'm sorry, uh, but Tori Holt picks up Ty and in front of everyone says, Hey, this is my hero right here. And uh, I, I always asked that, you know, of all the people you met of all the experiences, what was your, what was the, the best, your favorite? And he says that, and it's a great Testament to it's not what you say. It's how, uh, how people make you feel. And Tori Holt, made Ty feel like a million bucks. He was his hero, right? Um, And then as the story goes, when we go to Detroit and the Rams are playing there, we always kind of hang out in the visiting team area. That's much easier than the home team area. Uh, Torrey Holt sees Ty and somebody tells Torrey, hey, there's a a kid that you've met before. And Torrey goes up, lifts him up again. and says, oh, you're here another year. Where are you going? And what's your favorite team? And takes off his jersey and gives it to him. Very well remembered, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And um, so those are the kind of experiences that we've been very blessed to have. So, Johnny, um, I want to say I had the pleasure, but it was one of the most um, nerve-wracking experiences of my life when I called the few favors uh, on the Patriots um, from Pepper Johnson, who we've had on the show. And um, we go over to the visiting side and and Bob Kessler, Johnny, is the most fearless human being I've ever met in my life. And so therefore, his <laughs> children are now fearless. So here's me and my son. You know, they're saying, hey, <clears throat> let's just go. You know, we'll walk up over there. I'm like, well, those dudes over there in the security and Bob's like, don't worry about them. And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Don't worry about them. He goes, just act like you belong. And Johnny if advice would have never stuck to somebody, it would have been me to act like I belong because I didn't, yeah, like, right. I didn't look like I belong, but Bob, tell us some of the stories about there's one of my favorites where you said that you're with the, the, um, 
the grass association or something. Tell me that story. That was a, a college game. We go to a lot of college games. Uh, Cam, my youngest, uh, he is the biggest Notre Dame fan. Uh, and he actually, through the, the incredible folks at Make-A-Wish, was able to spend a week as a Notre Dame football player, which was uh, an incredible story. But we were uh, we went down to uh, Florida State to see Notre Dame play down there. Yes. And uh, again, our, our tradition is the day before the game, we always try to get onto the game field to take a picture. Now, they kind of frown upon that, but one way or another – we got to try to get this done. And, um, you know, Cam, Ty and I are two little kids and uh, we go down the the walkway and uh, there's another, you know, a, a young college student in a yellow jacket. And uh, the three of us walk up to him. Now, Cam and Ty, they're used to it. They, they don't know what's coming, but they know just keep walking, just keep walking. Right. And I looked at the, uh, the college uh, student. I said, hey, uh, we're from Sports Illustrated. That line does me well. Uh, we are doing a special, uh, we're writing an article on grub worms and how they're affecting uh, football fields. And he said, oh, really? Fantastic. Uh, okay. And, and I kind of winked at him. He said, yeah, I got you. Go ahead. Right. So, uh, so we were able to get down on the football field. And the funny thing about this was uh, we didn't realize that they had just painted the field, you know, the maroon and gold colors, the sidelines, the end zones. And fortunately, Cam picked up on, Dad, stop, don't, don't go on the green field, stay off the side because they just paint it. So we have some great photos on the uh, Florida State football field the Friday before the Notre Dame-Florida State game. Um, just fun, fun, fun. We, we will never forget Cam Young, don't walk out on the field, you know, funny stuff. So you mentioned your, you mentioned probably the favorite player. I remember – just several um, several stories. Uh, Steve Smith was a fun one. I got to watch that happen in North Carolina. Danny Coppin, I remember, from the Patriots. Um, Stu, what was the guy from uh, the Vikings? Todd Stusey, who also played with the Panthers. That's right. I remember Todd. Yeah. And so so we you've talked about you've talked about a number of, of favorite players. Do you have a favorite owner? Would it be Jerry Jones? Uh, I would say Jerry Jones because, uh, first of all, um, after we met him uh, there, we ran it in Dallas. We ran into him in Seattle, and he remembered Ty and took Ty out in the field in Seattle. Um, I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of the place kicker that won the game for Seattle that day who came up to Ty and gave him a football. And when we went to the steakhouse, uh, Josh, I think it was Josh Brown, was the field goal kicker. He happened to be in the same steakhouse and he was telling Ty, you know, uh, I, I kicked that one for you. And, and, and Ty had the game ball. It was really, really cool. But uh, uh-huh. we've seen Jerry Jones on two or three. Jerry, uh, uh, the, the day after that game in Dallas, we went into his office and we have some pictures of all these Super Bowl trophies and Ty sitting behind his desk. Uh, so Jerry Jones has been uh, very, very, very nice. I would say um, Mr. Mara uh, for the New York Giants. Um, uh, the first time Sports Illustrated wrote about Ty, um, Mr. Mara called us and said, hey, uh, we'd, we'd like to uh, uh, invite invite you to the Super Bowl. Uh, we, we have some tickets for you. And I said, oh, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. But Sports Illustrated gave us two. Thank you very much. But we're covered. And uh, like the day later, he called back and said, hey, I didn't ask you do you have a hotel room? And I was like, no, we were going to stay in, in Orlando because that's the closest hotel we could get. And Mr. Maris said, no, 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 you're, you're staying at our hotel and took care of. So he was very nice. And then we went to uh, the Giants locker room and met um, uh, Manning. And, um, and and that reminds me, I know you asked about the favorite on So those would be my two, but I have to go back and I have to share. John, I think I shared the story um, we went on a, uh, a little bit of a, a, a long weekend trip where we went to a game in Chicago. Uh, and then uh, we flew to uh, New England Monday morning and we went to a Patriots Colts Monday night mm-hmm. game. Now, our our tradition is we always go to the visiting team hotel, less security, Caesar to try to, you know, get an autograph or two. Uh, so we went to the Colts Hotel and, you know, look at when you're you know, when you're in Rome. Right. So the kids and we have all the Colts stuff on. Right. 
So uh, this would be about the third time that Tyler has met Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning and Tony Dungy come down the hotel later. This is like one o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, Peyton's like, Ty, you know, and uh, we have a great conversation, great pictures. And Tony Dungy introduces Ty to a couple other players and Cam. Uh, so we have a great experience at the Colts team hotel. Get in the car, drive down to uh, Patriot Stadium, Foxborough. And now Danny Copen had helped us with getting some tickets. And what we did not know was he got us access to the game field before the game. And Tyler and Cam were chosen as the team captains. So they, they went out oh, for wow. a coin flip. Oh, I remember I think this would all be incredible. Incredible. Right up to the point where Ty and Cam are walking out to meet Peyton Manning, the captain of the Colts. And Peyton Manning looks at Ty and says, what's with the Patriots jersey? <laughs> and like wow yeah I, I was wondering what's going on because i see ty look at cam and cam uh, cam and ty look up up that tall guy and uh then i see uh ty point over towards me on the sideline and of course ty said that uh peyton manning my dad made me do it i wanted to wear the patriot stuff or the cult stuff right Colts, yeah yeah um but funny story and and you know look at peyton manning uh, had some fun with that and and kind of busted his chops nicely and told him you better be rooting for us and uh, a great Monday night game, uh, Colts and the Patriots, two games in two days. Did he ever run into Peyton Manning again after that? T- yes, at the Pro Bowl. He at did. Pro Bowl. Yeah. Um, Hopefully think, he was wearing a Colts jersey. Uh, I don't remember, but Peyton uh, was busting his jaw. Weren't you the kid that wore the Patriot? Because it was yeah. right after that. That was late in the season. We went to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. And um, yeah, uh, it, so Ty met Peyton Manning, the Pro Bowl, that game. And then the first time we went to Indianapolis, again, a great story. How blessed are we? Go to the, the best steakhouse in town, St. Elmo's. Ty and I, 10 o'clock Sunday night, having a, a, a steak. And the waiter starts talking to us, where are you from? And he can't believe we're from Pennsylvania going to a Colts game. Uh, and tell him a little bit about the story. Uh, about 10 minutes later, he comes back to the table and says, uh, hey, excuse me, excuse me. Um, do you mind if I take your son upstairs to a a, 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 a dinner event for 10 minutes? Okay. Uh, and sure enough, it's Peyton Manning and his family. And uh, this was early in our journey. Uh, and Peyton Manning spent 15 minutes talking stadiums and football and uh, what Omaha meant and uh, all this kind of great stuff. Uh, yeah. And and then Ty comes back down and he's like, hey, it's that dinner with uh, Peyton Manning. I'm like, where, where, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Right. But it yeah. was that game. This was early. This might have been stadium number seven or eight that we we came up with a new rule. And the new rule was when we went to a stadium, you had to take a football. We had to be ready for a signature for an autograph. Right. Ty only had a hat and I think he had a Nerf, a Colts Nerf football. So we learned from that, always be prepared. And uh, we tried to do that the best we could. So, Bob, what is the your favorite stadium? Favorite stadium versus favorite experience. Um, you know, the uh, the new Cowboy Stadium was very cool. Um, I think maybe the the best overall experience. I don't know if you guys have been to Seattle, um, the, uh, the the stadium, the twelfth man. Um, Ty was selected to run the game ball out for the kickoff before game. He had a big uh, Seattle jersey on, was way too big. Number 12, 12th man. Crowd went incredible as he ran the the game ball out to the field. And um, but the the best experience was. Um, the, the, the day before, uh, we went to their practice facility and uh, Holmgren, Holmgren, it was the, the coach back mm-hmm. then, and he was incredible. And uh, a couple of players kind of took time. There's wing out in the, the practice field. Nobody else was there and they were throwing footballs. But the, the city of Seattle, we did that plane, um, the, 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 um, the hydroplane. What do they call that? The seaplane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, out around Mount Lanier and the the city and the fish market, and uh, we had an incredible, incredible stay out there. And went to the steakhouse and ran into Josh Brown, game winning field goal. How does that happen, right? How does that yeah. happen? I think someone was really helping us. Thank you. Didn't you guys also do a John Madden? Didn't you? Didn't he get to meet John Madden and go on the bus? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, another great story. Uh, uh, Matt, um, oh my gosh, his name escapes me. Uh, the, the general manager for the Detroit Lions was Matt. Um, oh, yeah, uh, ex football. Yeah. He was an ex, uh, played for Penn State. Ex linebacker. Yeah. yeah. So he, he actually, uh, was, uh, living within, I don't know, 15 miles of us. And he had heard about Ty and my journey. And at the time, he was the general manager for the Lions. Uh, and he invited us out to the game. And uh, it was a Monday night game. This was preseason. Uh, we had a great experience. But, uh, you know, the, the day before the game, um, he, um, he invited us to go out to the Madden Cruiser, where uh, John Madden and uh, Al Michaels, where they were preparing for the game and meeting with different players and the head coach. Mm. We met uh, Steve at the at the time, the coach of the um, Lions, Steve, not Spurrier, Steve. They went through so many, yeah, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> don't worry true. about it. <laughs> uh, but listen, there's two things there. One is meeting with John Madden and John Madden <clears throat> and Matt talking to Ty, like, again, their long-lost friends and all these great stadium tours on their bus and the rules of the bus, which was, um, I hope this is okay to say, you were allowed to go to the restroom on the bus, number one, but never number two. And one time somebody did, and Ty don't ever do that. And it was really just funny, really just funny, right? And and again, it's how people make you feel, right? It wasn't just, hi, Ty, here's an autograph. It was how they made you feel. Um, when we went to the team walkthrough the day before, um, uh, Matt Millen got the whole team together. Matt Millen, there's his name. Millen. And yes. um, uh, talked a little bit about father and son and what they were trying to accomplish and what they were getting done. And um, then they did the tie broke the team huddle, right? And um, then uh, like every single player to a person walked up to Ty, shook his hand and congratulated him and uh it was really really special so how again, crazy life really is is 10 years after that matt millen has a heart transplant becomes yes. a transplant recipient um, yeah it's yeah. just a it's so just a, bob um you know a tremendous bonding experience between you and ty and you and cam and you remember all the stadiums and the players but do you think that there's any like lessons that I learned or Cam learned or you learned that are etched in your memory from, from these experiences? Yeah. Hey, listen, um, no doubt about it. Um, our family is all about what you can do and not what you can't do. Control the things that you can take care of. Uh, and I would also tell you at the same time, um, you know, we're going to move forward you know, give, give us the tough obstacles and we're going to figure it out. We're going to find a way. Um, I can remember at one point, a very sad day when uh, one of the uh, oncologists told Colleen and I that um, this was after the, the drug had paralyzed him uh, that, Hey, listen, we're, we, 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 there's no other drugs for him. We don't want to do anything that puts him in a worse place. Uh, and that he had anywhere from six months to 12 months to live. And we found that completely unacceptable. Uh, and we had a long conversation with her. And uh, the end of the story was that um, she said, well, there is one other drug. Um, and I guess they call this like a third line. My interpretation, that was the third string drug. The first one didn't work. They went to the third string drug. Mm. And I remember uh, Dr. Bunnan looking at Colleen and I and saying, listen, this drug has a side effect. It, uh, it affects hearing. And right now today, Ty has a hearing disability. And I remember looking at the doctor and said, listen, we'll take breathing over hearing every day of the week, twice on Sunday. Give them mm-hmm. the drug. And we knew, I don't know if they can prove this in the medical science world, but we knew that night and that next day he didn't have fevers. We knew it was working and it worked. Uh, And, and yeah, about a year later, we discovered that he had some hearing challenges, uh, which he has some hearing aids. But what we learned through all this was, you know, control, don't be a victim, be a victor, right? Take Mm -hmm. control, do what you can do. I shared with you earlier, um, you know, look at, um, Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And we really believe that we are all very, very strong because of all this. 
And uh, that's something that, you know, uh, will live with us for a long, long time. So where's, where's Ty and where's Cam today? Yeah. So, uh, well, we, we used to live in Pennsylvania. We've recently moved down here uh, to North Carolina. We are just outside of uh, Statesville, North Carolina. Uh, Ty recently graduated uh, from Universal Technical Institute, uh, which is where I work uh, currently. And uh, he is a auto technician. He's working at a local dealership. He really, really, really enjoys it. He's always loved working with his hands and fixing things. And um, this is what he does really well. Um, and, and I will tell you, listen, uh, with all that he's endured through the drugs and, um, you know, I can remember going on these trips and my wife would give me what, what seemed like just endless bottles of medicines for the two of them. Some were the same, some were different. Some got two, some got three, right? And I, I would go a little bonkers making sure that, hey, I got to get this right um, but the point was there, there were so many, I think at one point Ty was on 38 meds a day mm. um, and, and all those things, they, they, they lead you to do what you got to do. Right. And that, that's, that's what we've learned through all this. Uh, we also have another Kessler motto in our family, which is nobody cares about the storms or weather, just bring the ship in. And for us, mm. the ship has always been stay strong, keep breathing, do what you need to do. And uh, so Ty's doing very well with that. He's he's endured some challenges from a learning point of view, um, but he loves working with his hands, um, and uh, that's what he does. Cam is in Raleigh with one of his uh, high school buddies, uh, and he is working uh, as uh, uh, an inside salesperson uh, for a, uh, a technology company, software company. He loves that. Cam is the one, uh, Cam is, uh, and John, you've met Cam. Cam is uh, very outgoing, uh, very funny. Ty's a little reserved, right? A little bit quiet. Um, and Cam is the one that is that keeps us uh, on our toes with jokes and pranks and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, John, I think I shared with you, uh, Cam, Ty, and I uh, went to the, uh, the new Colt Stadium years after we went to the first game. And uh, John, I don't know if you remember this story. Uh, I think it, so. It, Go ahead. It makes it's me a laugh. good one. Uh, Cam was, I think Cam was like eight at the time. And we were, you know, we always take a football. We're throwing it around after the game. We're letting all the traffic get away. We got to go to the best steakhouse, right? So we've already been to St. Elbows. Two hours after the game, we go up to a cop and say, the three of us, Cam, Ty, and myself, hey, officer, you know, we're, we're looking for a great steakhouse. Something that would work for the three of us, and we can watch the games. Um, you know, any suggestions? And the cop innocently says, "Well, you know, there's a Hooters right down the road." And without <laughs> missing a beat, Cam says, "Oh no, officer, we don't want to bother my mom at work." I was like, "Cam," <laughs> and um, he got that from The Simpsons. And no, Colleen has never worked uh, as a waitress or as a uh, at Hooters. So, but it was. I looked at Cam. I was like, "Where the heck does that come from?" The, yeah. the cop. The cop. The two of his buddies. Hey, come here, come here. You got to hear this. Got to hear this. Ask this kid, right? <laughs> and um, it was just great. So Cam keeps us uh, laughing for sure. One of the blessings, Bob, of your story is an unbelievable family support system. Um, the kids have recovered. They're thriving. Um, we, John and I, are blessed with a large listening audience. And there's no doubt in my mind that there's people that are listening that are either facing difficult times or have family members that are facing difficult challenges what I know how strong your family was, but do you have advice for people that are going through medical challenges on being able to plug into support communities to, uh, do you have any advice around that? Like, um, not to be isolated and get in, you know, get connected to communities. I don't know the question I'm asking, but I think there's a question in there, which might help families just kind of find other families that are, going yeah. through things. So um, listen, for good or for bad, uh, when we first started on this medical journey, um, uh, different people tried to connect us and hook us up with uh, 
different resources and groups and uh, in a very naive way. We were too busy for that. We didn't value that. And we kind of stood away from that. But we learned um, by working with uh, a couple different resources um, that not only could really help Ty or Cam, but could help all of us. And I will tell you that um, uh, social groups and um, the Kidney Foundation, um, um, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name, the exact name of the cancer organization that uh, supported Ty and helped us through all this. But we connected and we have some, you know, incredible networking with folks who have just, uh, who, who we've really leaned on. So at first you may be like, hey, I don't need that. That's what we said. Um, but give it a shot and, and try to network and, and learn from others. You know, we learned a lot from families who have gone through, you know, you, you meet families in the hospital who are going through similar challenges, some some worse, right? And uh, we've learned a lot by observing and, and talking to folks and sharing our story and, you know, what's the best way to um, to to work through all these challenges. Uh, that being said, uh, I don't think anyone's been stronger than uh, our, our faith and, and with church and, um, you know, uh, I'm thinking about Father Tom up in Pennsylvania, and uh, many, many uh, of our uh, of our priests have been right there with us and have been a great support to Colleen. Uh, I know when I went through my medical challenge, uh, Colleen often says that the, the, the biggest challenge when I was in a coma for uh, uh, about 10 days was that in all the previous medical challenges we had, it was always her and I together figuring this out getting it done. And now she was on her own with me in a, in a coma. And she will tell you that uh, going to church and, and, and working with different groups at the church and um, our priest was insurmountable. Couldn't, couldn't have gotten through without that. What a strong woman Colleen must be. We haven't spoken much about her, but boy, you have an amazing partner there for sure. Amazing wife. So I, I tell people woman. all the time, um, she is the strength. Uh, she figures things out and, you know, she does not have a medical education. Uh, I know when I was in the hospital and uh, the doctors were talking about different challenges that I was having and she would make suggestions. Uh, she was asking them, well, could you do what they did for Ty when he had, you know, it, it would go through the, the abdomen. And I remember the surgeon looking at her and saying, no, that won't work, but I'm completely surprised and impressed that you know, knew enough to suggest that. But thank mm-hmm. you for suggesting. So she's been through so much. And I will tell you, you know, the, the biggest um, the, the biggest trouble problem that I have with all this is really two things. One is, can you imagine being 10 years old, Cam or Ty? and worrying about going to your next doctor's visit, that it could be really serious. Like mm-hmm. kids shouldn't have to worry about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that this stuff weighed on Ty and camp. They knew they had a significant challenge. And the second thing is that my wife had to endure all this there. She had to see me in a coma and it wasn't looking good for a couple of days. And she had to deal with that uh, all by herself. I, I, the, the uh, you know, the, the medical situation that I went through meant nothing to me. I say that kind of, but for what she went through, that's what angered me the most. She had to uh, endure through that. Just not fair. So Johnny, I'm about yeah. 10 or 12 years into this relationship and I'm at a reunion <clears throat> um, in Boise, Idaho with my buddies at a Boise state game. And I'll never forget it. I'm on the back deck and I get a, uh, phone call from Colleen. And um, I normally don't get a phone call from Colleen. I, you know, I know Colleen and, um, but I her n- number comes up and I answer the phone and um, not in a million years would I guess what she was going to tell me is that we're losing Bob. Wow. And I'm on the phone with my buddies or we're, you know, we're joking on the back of this deck and I have to step away from this thing. And I have to tell you, it was like, it was such a kick in the stomach. It was not, there's no possible way I could be getting this phone call. It's like, I thought it was going to be about Tyler or Cam. So I was mentally kind of preparing myself for that. And I was, it was strange why I was getting the phone call from Colleen. And then she tells me, and then the journey of 
the next 10, 15 days or what have you was just, was just unbelievable. But the resiliency, Johnny, of this family and just talking, I mean, Colleen, I think she was looking for support from me. She wound up, I was baggage. She wound up supporting me uh, over the next 10 days as I was calling all the time and asking about my friend and what an incredible, incredible woman she is. And um, uh, just what a, uh, what a blessing I know she is to your family. Yeah. She, she has been the key ingredient for all of us getting through this. Uh, you know, John, you mentioned that uh, on the tail end of that hospital experience, when I finally came to, um, I love sharing this story. Um, uh, when I came to, I wasn't in a great place in my mind. I thought everyone was trying to kill me. I was, I didn't realize I was in the hospital and the nurses would come in every day and ask me, you know, what's your name? They were trying to gauge if I was back with them and they would ask me my name and my age, date of birth, things like that. And on one Saturday, like four or five nurses had come in and were, were grilling me with it. And I, I, I thought they were trying to kill me. So I was like, uh, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing here. Okay. So, um, uh, at the end of the day, the, I see Ty and K, uh, Colleen at the end of the bed and they're talking to a nurse and the nurse says, Mrs. Kessler, he's still really, he's really drugged out and, and he's not sure where he is. We've asked him his name five times and he, he hasn't get, he has, he doesn't know his name. And Colleen looks at Ty and looks at the nurse and says, well, what names is he giving you? And, um, Colleen says, well, let's see, there was, uh, Don Shula, uh, there was uh, uh, Dick from Meal. Uh, let's see, there was, and and I named off like five head coaches, and and Colleen doesn't know, the nurse doesn't know, but Ty goes, wait a minute, wait a minute, those are five NFL coaches, and the right. three of them look at me, and I look at Colleen, go, they're trying to kill me. I'm not giving them my real name, right? <laughs> so it was really funny uh, that you know I, I came up with five NFL coaches to try to confuse them, right? Right, brother, such an incredible, incredible story. We are so thankful where the family is today. We're so thankful for you taking the time to um, to be with us and to share the story and to share it with others. And hopefully it brings some spirit and some some joy and insight into maybe some others that are uh, going through some difficult situations. Johnny, what I didn't highlight in here one of my favorite parts about this story is a boy named tyler was born on christmas day this is true oh, wow okay he was born on christmas day in a town called bethlehem so he's from bethlehem pennsylvania i'm getting chill bumps and he went on to change people's lives of of people that met him on Sundays. And uh that's one of my favorite parts about Ty. Every Christmas day I I uh, send him a text, uh, happy birthday, and um, uh, we're just so, so thankful that you've joined us. Johnny, I know we want to talk a little bit about um, some uh, charities and some focus, but Bob, you are a beast. Your family is amazing, um, and we're so, so thankful you joined us. Sure. No, well, thank you very much. And uh, John, much like yourself, many, many, many folks uh, have uh, supported us, have helped us. Uh, and we are, again, very, very blessed, very, very fortunate. Bob, what an inspiring story. And um, some of the key Kessler mottos, as you put it, you know, do your job, you know, do what you can control. Yeah. And the one I love the best is don't be a victim, be a victor. So, I mean, deep yeah. breath, but wow, what an amazing story. And. Bob, I don't know if you want to, but um, do you want to talk about an, a favorite charity you might yeah, have? Sure. Listen, um, and by the way, those uh, Kesslerisms, those are things, you know, I, I don't know that I'm the greatest father ever, uh, but I can tell you this. Our kids, um, they, they know those uh, outlooks on life. They know those through and through because we repeat those on a daily basis. Uh, favorite charity, listen, the Make-A-Wish Make Foundation has been incredible. Uh, I shared with you that Cam was very fortunate. He was able to spend uh, almost a week uh, with his heroes, with the Notre Dame football program. Brian Kelly introduced him to the entire team. Uh, and then they they had Cam speak 
to the whole team and he wasn't prepared. He wasn't ready for that. Uh, so he, he talked about, well, Hey, we got to work hard at practice. And when Saturday comes, that'll be the easiest day of the week. Cause we're going to beat these guys. Like you never, and the place went crazy I'm like, Where the heck did he? This was on the cuff. This was on yeah. the cuff. Um, we're going to work hard and the game will be easy. And we're going to beat you know, it. Was, it was incredible. The, 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 probably, it's probably better that it was on the cuff, probably came right. out more pat, you know, with more passion and more feeling. Right. Yeah. So that was very, very fun. And, 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 you know, spend a couple he, he, you know, look at for Ty and Cam, the whole idea of belonging, being part of something mm. is uh, please don't ever underestimate that. And uh, part of a family, part of an organization, part of a team. Uh, please don't un- ever underestimate that. But the fine, fine folks from Make Wish for Ty, uh, which was a Disney World trip, which was second to none. And for Cam to be part of the Notre Dame football program uh, wow. was uh, outstanding. So make a wish. Okay, we're going to put that in the show notes. Fantastic. And Bob, you know, once again, thanks for joining us. I'm sure our audience has been touched. I know that I am. And with your inspiring story of everything that your family went through. So thank you again. No, thank you very much. Listen, uh, gentlemen, uh, Rachel, have an incredible day. Have a great day. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you to listening to Revenue Builders. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check us out at forcemanagement.com.